Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to yet another edition of the JP Sports Talk Podcast. We have a lot to break down after what was a crazy week five of the NFL season. I'll give you my Ope of the Week. You'll find out what that is in a couple of minutes. We have three teams that had statement wins in week five and put themselves in great position for the playoff push. I know we're only five games into the season, but these three teams that earned wins are going to look back at week five and say, this is why we're in the playoffs. I'll tell you who they are towards the middle of the show. We'll break down all things that happened in Major League Baseball over the week. We're recording this podcast Tuesday, October 8th at 11.30 p.m. So this is after the Tampa Bay Rays forcing Game 5 of the Houston Astros against the Houston Astros. Wow, what a series. This has become pretty much every series was terrific so far, except my New York Yankees, who look like at this moment in time, after the Rays just beat the Astros in pretty convincing fashion, the World Series favorite, in my opinion. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant about my uh, favorite soccer club. You guys don't know who that is yet. You'll find out at the end of this show. I have a rant and a half to give you, and we'll go over my best bets of last week, which, if you're keeping tabs on me, didn't pan out too well. But I have three new bets that you need to take for this upcoming week if you want to make some money. All right, enough chatter. Let's do this. This is the JP Sports Talk Podcast. You know I ain't never had shit okay. Now I'm somewhere in the meeting Get my ass kissed no, hum, uh. By a white man Cause his daughter fuck with my ass Uh-oh I done dropped dick in her friend I'm like my bad sis My bad nigga Act like he too good even for a bad bitch uh-huh. I'ma buy a Lambo for this album How are we doing everybody? I hope you are as lovely as I am On this Tuesday night Whenever you may be listening to this I already gave you the spiel of everything That I'm going to break down in this podcast So let's get right into it And we're going going to start the second ever episode of JP Sports Talk with a segment I like to call Ope of the Week. Now, if you're not familiar with the term Ope, aka if you don't necessarily know who I am per se, let me give you a little breakdown of it. So Ope is a word that you use whenever something happens that surprises you and takes a term for the worst. Now, If I had to give an example for you, this may not be the best example in the world, but oh wow, Christian Yelich is going to lead the Brewers to a World Series run. Oh, he fractured his kneecap and he's done for the season. Now, it's kind of like an onomatopoeia. It's more of like a sound, but this is something my friends from home and I use in pretty much daily conversation, and I know it sounds a bit ridiculous, but it's how we roll, and that's how we're going to do it here on JP Sports Talk. We're keeping it true to the Long Island family, 631, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ope of the week. This one goes out to the Cleveland Browns, and most specifically, Baker Mayfield. I mean, what did they make us watch this Monday night? They came off a huge divisional win on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, where they put up 40 points, 
And I understand they played a San Francisco 49ers team that we're going to get more into a little bit later. But this Browns team was riding momentum really for the first time all season. They beat the team that looks like they're in the best position to win their division in the AFC North, a team that just edged out the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. The Browns should have won this game. I know they weren't the favorite, but they should have went into Monday night ready. Odell Beckham Jr. loves primetime. They already won a Monday night game this year, but Baker Mayfield went into San Francisco and flat out stunk up the joint. 8 for 22, 100 yards, 2 interceptions, 2 fumbles. I mean, he looked awful. He hasn't looked this bad yet in the NFL. Not in one game, not in any game this season, not in any game in his rookie season. This was his worst performance as a professional football player. And the Cleveland Browns were the one team, the one team that everyone thought would just ignite at the beginning of the season. A team that didn't make the playoffs last year, hasn't had a winning season in any type of recent memory. I mean, for crying out loud, this team won one game in two years before Baker Mayfield got to town. And then Baker takes the world by storm, gets them the seven wins, makes you believe that they could win the AFC North. Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. They are ready for it. They have Odell Beckham Jr. now, Jarvis Landry, a great number two receiver. Kareem Hunt's going to join Nick Chubb in what will be the most star-studded backfield the league has to offer in a, in a month. This team should have risen to the challenge, been the power surge that everyone expected them to be, and they could not have disappointed any worse. It starts with a 30-point loss at home to open the season. They beat Luke Falk and the sorry New York Jets. They lose Sunday night at home to the Rams. They beat the Ravens to give you a little bit of hope, and then they were garbage. I can't even think of one word to describe it. They could not have played worse against the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, what is Freddie Kitchens doing? Odell Beckham Jr. threw the first play of the game. And that was the only play that resulted in a first down in that first drive for the Browns. Then they gave it to the 49ers. Their first play, Matt Breida runs for an 83-yard touchdown, and the, and the Niners just didn't look back after that. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo looked great. He looked like triple what Baker Mayfield was, and he didn't even play phenomenally. 20 for 29, 181 yards, two touchdowns. That's exactly what he needed to do. Matt Breida, who was an undrafted running back, had more yards on the ground than Baker Mayfield had in the air. Baker Mayfield had a QBR of 1.4. I almost had a QBR of 1.4, and I wasn't anywhere near San Francisco. I was on my couch watching the game, laughing at this team. And the Browns, I really thought, could make a push for the division, especially after topping the Ravens, who at this point, it's their division to lose. 
and all you got to say is, oh, that's why we have this segment. It, it's embarrassing. It is an embarrassing loss for the Browns. They gave everyone a Monday night game that they hate. This is the second Monday night game they're a part of. That was a total stink show. They've been on both sides of the dial now, and it's embarrassing. I mean, I, I can't believe that a team with this high of expectations is crumbling this hard. I know people were begging for it to happen. I have been on the Baker Mayfield train ever since he was at Oklahoma. I loved when he planted the flag at Ohio State. But Nick Bosa was in every way correct in doing it right back in his face because Baker Mayfield talked the talk all offseason long. Odo Beckham Jr. talked the talk all offseason long. And they got clapped. It was embarrassing. And quite frankly, I have no idea how the Browns are going to recover. I mean, look at their schedule. They play the Seahawks, who are sitting pretty at 4-1 in a brutal NFC West. They are competing for the top with the 49ers, with the LA Rams. They need a win just as badly as the Browns do. Then Cleveland gets a bye that they desperately need, but then they're going to be rudely awakened after that bye in Foxborough. Then they go to Denver, who's sorry behinds, finally got a win. Then they finally get a home game against the Buffalo Bills. They will make Baker Mayfield look like a pawn. When are the Browns going to turn it around? I don't see it happening in the near future because this schedule is too hard in a division that is going to be scrappy to get first place. They're playing teams that are really trying to get wins because they're in playoff pushes of their own. I just, I don't see it happening for Cleveland. Not this year. And it's a shame. It's a damn shame. Now, let's flip this on the other side now. Three teams had huge, 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 massive wins week five. And one of those teams... This is San Francisco 49ers. Granted, I think the Cleveland Browns lost this game just as much as the San Francisco 49ers won this game. But they dominated in every single facet. I mean, the Browns didn't look comfortable on offense the whole game. The 49ers scored points in all four quarters of the game. Jimmy Garoppolo barely throwing the ball at the end of the game. Trust me, I know. I like a fool, watch the whole game because I needed George Kittle to get two more yards or one more catch with about eight minutes left in the third quarter, and then he just, they weren't throwing the ball anymore. So he didn't get anything. He had 20.6 points. I needed 20.9. Whatever. whatever. I'm not salty. I'm not salty. I'm, I'm not salty. But let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. They are the only undefeated team left in the NFC. They embarrassed the Browns coming off a bye week. And I mentioned the NFC West. This division is tough. I think it easily arises as the toughest division in football this year. You look at the three teams at the top, and you have to think, there's a real chance all three of these teams make the playoffs. I mean, the 49ers, starting off 4-0, that's massive, and they beat the Bucks on the road, who are a tough get. 
They beat the Steelers at home, just a game that they needed. And the Browns at home was another game that's just a huge statement because the Browns were riding high. They had a 15-point win against a division opponent on the road, a team that looked hot for a while, the Baltimore Ravens, to start the season. Yes, they lost to the Chiefs, and then you thought they could bounce back against the Browns. The Browns shut them up, and then the 49ers really shut the Browns up this Monday night. Now, looking at the 49ers schedule, they go to Los Angeles to play the Rams in a huge divisional game, but then after that, the schedule lightens up a bit for the next three. They go to Washington to play the dysfunctional Redskins. I can't even talk about the Redskins. It's it's disgusting what they're doing over there. Dan Snyder's disgusting. Jay Gruden, good riddance. It, it's, it's laughable. I don't even know what to say. It is a disgrace what's going on in Washington. So that's an easy win. They get a home game against the Red Hot Carolina Panthers, but you got to give the edge to the West Coast team at home. And then they go to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, who they play twice in three weeks. It's pretty... Look, this team looks great. And yes, I'm concerned about the fullback injury. You know, that's a big loss for them because of how much Kyle Shanahan uses the fullback position. And they have the best fullback in football right now. But I think the 49ers are going to be fine. It's a hard division. They're going to have to play the Seahawks twice. They're going to have to play the Rams twice. But if they could split those series, they're in good shape because they're not playing that hard of a schedule outside of those games. It's a last place. Not a last place. Excuse me. The Cardinals are playing the last place schedule. They're playing a third place schedule. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. So that's one team that really, really stood out to me. Now, I mentioned last week that I think the New Orleans Saints are the best team in the NFC. I still hold that. And I have way more to get into with the New Orleans Saints when I get to my best bets of the week because their line in their Week 6 game is is blasphemy to me. I don't understand it. You could fade me because my picks were god-awful last week, but... Man, I'm licking my chops looking at that line against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Anyways, but the 49ers are right there under the New Orleans Saints. And the other team that's right there, I think the top three to me are really, really clear. It's the Saints, it's the 49ers, and it's the Green Bay Packers. Another team that got a massive victory on Sunday. They went into Dallas and they hit the Cowboys square in the mouth. Square in the mouth early. They shut Dallas out at home in the first half. Took a 17-0 lead. Didn't take their foot off the gas in the third quarter. Put up a couple of touchdowns. Aaron Jones, unstoppable. And they found the weakness in that Cowboys defense. You just got to run it on them. And look, Aaron Jones running the football, and then Aaron Rodgers making sure they don't turn the ball over. They convert on third down. That's how you're going to win games, especially when the defense suffocates the best running back in football, Ezekiel Elliott. 12 carries, 62 yards for Zeke. That's a huge victory for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, whose run defense 
has been the biggest question for this team. I mean, for God's sake, they made Jordan Howard look like Barry Sanders last Thursday. But then they came in, game plan, took the long week to recoup, and they shut down Ezekiel Elliott. And that's the victory to success. Dak Prescott is not good enough to win games on his own. When Zeke isn't going, this offense is going to struggle. Kellen Moore knows that. Jason Garrett knows that. Ezekiel Elliott knows that. Hell, even Dak Prescott knows that. And I don't care that he threw for 463 yards. That's because he chucked it 44 times. He threw three picks. A QBR under 30. And you know what? Amari Cooper did more than him. He got open all the time. Dak needed Cooper to make that game close in the second half. And he put up 226, 11 catches and a touchdown. Good for him. But it doesn't show in the win column. And if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I am petrified. How are they going to make the playoffs? I mean, the Eagles are surging right now. They have a huge, huge, huge I'm going to call it a must-win game at home against the Eagles next Sunday night, Week 7. Because I think that's a game where you pick the boys from the men. Because you look at this NFC playoff picture, it is heavy. I mean, you have the division winners, whoever that may be. It's either going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys in this division. Right now, I'm taking the Eagles. I think Carson Wentz is red hot, man. I know they play the Jets this week, but sheesh, the Eagles are going to keep on keeping on. I feel great about them winning the NFC East. You have the South, which I think the Saints have pretty wrapped up, even though the Panthers are making you think just a little bit. The North, there are four decent to good teams. Packers, Bears, Vikings, Lions. Only one of them is going to win the division. The other's competing for the wild card. And I mentioned earlier the best division in football, the NFC West, has three legitimate contenders. The Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Rams. Only six teams can make the playoffs in the NFC. Where do the Cowboys fit? unless they're winning the division. If Carson Wentz stays healthy, the Eagles are winning the division. Where are the Cowboys going to be? I know they were overpowered by a better team this past Sunday, but they got to figure it out because their schedule isn't getting easier. I mean, they get a lollygag game at MetLife where they love to play, taking on the Jets. Then huge game against the Eagles, circle, dot, dot, dot. Then the Giants, and then you go through the gauntlet of the South where you get the Vikings at home and the Lions on the road. The Lions are trying to make the playoffs too, man. I don't see where the Cowboys fit, but the Green Bay Packers solidifying their spot as a top three team in the NFC with a massive road win after what was a disappointing Thursday night game against Philadelphia. Now, one more team had a huge statement win on Sunday night. And let's move away from the NFC. Let's go over to the AFC and talk about these Indianapolis Colts. I came on the inaugural episode of this podcast last week, and I 
could not stop praising Patrick Mahomes. Hell, it was in the show title, MV Patty. And yes, he got hurt in this game, which definitely has something to do with his performance. He didn't play terrible, though. He was barely on the field. I mean, seriously. Frank Reich game planned this game to a T. He knew the personnel he had. He knew what the Chiefs' weakness was on defense. They ran the ball down Kansas City's throat. Marlon Mack got the ball 29 times. 132 yards. Jacoby Brissett, one mistake, and it was okay. You know? He had the one interception. It didn't really affect them because they were still marching up and down the field. They were getting points, four field goals out of Benetieri. Jacoby Brissett rushing touchdown. He was 18 for 29, 151 yards. That's not great. But they neutralized Patrick Mahomes by keeping him on the sideline. He can't be God when he's not in the game. And that is is the game plan. Now, there are not a lot of teams that can do what the Colts did. The Colts executed this game plan perfectly. They ran the ball to death on the left side of that offensive line. Quentin Nelson is a beast, if I've ever seen one. And I know that this is the big, absurd opinion that everyone likes to have, but I'm going to put it out there, too. If an offensive lineman ever wins the MVP, it will be this kid, Quentin Nelson. I mean, my God, he just makes every single play. You notice him. If you notice a guy on the offensive line and not because he's getting flagged, <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, he's he's taking two at a time and just tossing bodies. It's absurd. And the Colts, who everyone was freaking out about right before the season, we haven't discussed this yet. The biggest story of the NFL season coming in to week one, Andrew Luck fucking retired. He retired in his prime. The Colts were ready to make a Super Bowl push, and a top five quarterback in the league retired from the game. And the Colts, three and two? Beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead on Sunday night? Jacoby Bursett playing fine. Playing just fine. And that's all he needs to play. Because this running game, this offensive line are too good. The defense is sustainable. They don't even have their best player in the lineup, Darius Leonard. The Colts are going to compete for an AFC playoff spot. I believe that the AFC South is a toss-up between them and the Texans at this point in time. And I think whoever misses out on the division gets that sixth playoff spot. And it's just that simple. This team is playing as clean as they possibly can. They're forcing opponents to make mistakes. They're keeping opposing offenses off the field. That's how they're going to win football games. And yeah, they got stunned last week against the Raiders, but that's not an indictment on them. I think that's more of a credit to the Raiders who showed out against the Bears in London this week. 
maybe we got to take both those teams a little more seriously. I think the Colts got a win that they didn't need because y- you can't expect to beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, but it's a win that will go so, so far. I think they have the biggest win of the week. The Packers had the second biggest, the 49ers the third biggest. That's three teams that just absolutely really, really impressed me this week. They were fantastic, and I think they have really bright paths ahead of them en route to postseason berths. I really think all three of them do. And I think they're going to look back at week five and say, yeah, that's right. We got those wins. Those are games playoff teams win. And now look where we are. That's what they'll be saying in January. All right, enough football for the moment. Let's talk about Major League Baseball. And let's start where we need to start. The only series that is officially wrapped up right now, my New York Yankees. I really thought this series would be closer. I don't know if it's because I'm a pessimist, but the Minnesota Twins broke the home run record that the Yankees set last year. And granted, the Yankees were only one home run behind them. I didn't know if the Yankees pitching was good enough to completely neutralize these bats. But holy crap, you you thought that the Twins would at least put up a fight, right? I can't be the only one that thinks this way. They lose 10-4-8-2-5-1 at home. And I want to focus most specifically on this Game 3. I mean, the Twins. The Twins! They were down one nothing in the bottom of the second. Bases loaded. Nobody out. And Luis Severino gets out of this jam. A couple strikeouts and a pop-up? Are you kidding me? You can't squander one run. And Minnesota was bumping on Monday night. But after that second inning, you could feel the air getting sucked out of the building. And it's just sad to see because I I thought the Twins were at least going to give the Yankees a little bit of a test. But obviously, I'm smiling that the Yankees get extended rest, especially after what transpired tonight. Now, are we really that certain that the Houston Astros are the favorite to win the World Series still? I mean, they were the clear-cut favorite coming into these playoffs, and they looked like the clear-cut favorite going into Game 3 in Tampa because they... Beat the Rays 6-2, 3-1, net score of, of 9-3 through two games. And then Zach Greinke, the quote-unquote difference maker that they traded for at the deadline that made their rotation from great to untouchable, gets shelled. Absolutely shelled. Gives up four runs in the first three innings. It was it was actually sad. He's six earned runs for Granky. Not good, not good. Not against the Tampa Bay Rays, man. And Charlie Morton, who the Astros kind of let go, let him walk a little bit, and got Granky to kind of fill the role that he served. 
well, I guess technically Garrett Cole filled her. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. He was supposed to be the third guy if they kept him around. It looked brilliant. Five innings, one earned run, nine strikeouts. That's exactly what Kevin Cash needed him to do. And then you go into game four, which was tonight. They throw Verlander on three days rest. And he gives up three runs in the first inning. If you're like me and you're a New York Yankee fan, you're jumping out your seat watching that. Because not only does that decrease the Astros' chances of making it, and we know what the Yankees could do against the Rays, Justin Verlander, can he pitch on Sunday? Game one of the ALCS? He threw 84 pitches today. On three days rest, he threw 184 pitches over the span of four days. And now he gets five days worth of rest? Oh, boy. Oh, things are unfolding in a certainly particular way right now for the Astros. Now, they're going to throw Garrett Cole on Thursday, who's on, you know, sufficient rest. And he's probably going to blank the race. But you look at that Yankees series. Are we sure that the Astros are the favorite? After the way the Yankees hit the cover off the ball against the Twins this week? Are we sure about that? I want you to think about that when you're making your bets. Now, speaking of bets, the one team that I got right last week in my best bets was the Washington Nationals. I took their money line to beat the Brewers. They came back from 3 0. Juan Soto gives them the lead. They close the door, and now they're facing the Dodgers. And they're going in the game five tomorrow. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because best bets round two is coming up. I like the underdog. Steven Strasburg. Maybe you could point out as the reason they won that wild card game. Because Max Scherzer didn't look too great. And Strasburg came in kind of kept everything at bay for three innings. Then they gave him the ball against the Dodgers, and he did just as well. He pitched game two. Scherzer, yes, came in eventually, but he pitched six innings, only gave up one run, struck out 10. And now they're going back to L.A. Walker Bueller versus Steven Strasburg. It's going to be one Hell of a game. He outpitched Kershaw in LA. Can he outpitch Walker Bueller and stun the Dodgers, who are looking to make their third consecutive World Series? But who will they face? We have another game five, three game fives in the divisional series. The Braves and the Cardinals, these two teams, I have, it's kind of scary how even they are. Like, I think we could, we could come to grips with the fact that the Dodgers have more talent than the Nationals. The Astros have more talent than the Rays. I I don't know who has more talent between the Braves and the Cardinals. I would lean the Braves. But I think the Cardinals have enough to, to just stay at bay and then win games late. And you saw it. Yadier Molina tied the game up in the 8th, won the game in the 10th for the Cardinals. 
first win of this NLDS game one in Atlanta. Cardinals win seven to six, thanks to six runs in the last two innings. I mean, that's what the Cardinals are going to do. They're going to wear you down and win games late. And they're going to Atlanta to finish it. I I think the Braves are too good. I I really do. I don't know why I'm saying that because I think they just kind of ran away with a division, a division that had good teams. I mean, I thought the Phillies were a playoff team before the season started. I thought that the Nationals were going to compete and look where they are right now. I really think that they're going to beat the Dodgers tomorrow. The MLB postseason right now is ridiculous. And the only thing that was, you know, not even close, New York Yankees versus the Minnesota Twins, as it usually is. That's 15 straight playoff losses for the Twins. (sighs) Okay. Now, I mentioned the word losses, and I have to talk soccer right now. Now, I get it. Not everyone likes soccer. Four years ago, actually three years ago, I was one of you. I didn't like soccer either. My friends from freshman year, a lot of them international, they would always talk soccer, and I'm, I'm a sports nut. So the fact that I couldn't participate in that conversation, it upset me. So I learned it, and I love it now. I'm all over it. I gave a Champions League pick last week, but I have to talk about my team, Tottenham Hotspur. Now, if you're new to soccer, let me give you a little bit of a history lesson. Champions League is basically the European Championship. And last season, it was Tottenham versus Liverpool in the final. Tottenham had a magical run in Champions League. They beat Manchester City, who won the Premier League. Everyone thought was the best team in the in the world. They beat them in the quarterfinals. They beat Ajax in the semifinals. When they were down 2-0, they got three goals from Lucas Mora in the second half of the second leg to make the Champions League final. I don't know if anyone expected them to win the Champions League final. They didn't. They lost 2-0 to Liverpool, but it was, you know, I mean, they gave up a penalty in the first two minutes, so you can't win that way, but they competed. I mean, they were down 1-0 for 80 minutes, and they just couldn't pull out the W. So needless to say, there was a lot of high hopes going in to this Premier League season and Champions League season. They got a couple of new signings over the offseason in the transfer window, which they don't usually do. So them getting players was a huge plus. Everyone thought under Mauricio Pochettino, this team was going to prosper. And this month has been miserable. They play they let, let's go to September 1st. I'm going to start with the Carabao Cup. They lose to Colchester United in penalties. They couldn't score a goal at Colchester United. They are two leagues under where Tottenham is in which is the Premier League. That is the equivalent of 
the Los Angeles Clippers losing to a JUCO basketball team. Just to put that in perspective, that knocked them out of that tournament. Now, let's go to October 1st, Champions League. Home opener of the Champions League this season. Bayern Munich, best team in Germany. They lose 7-2 to at home. 7-2. to There were literal NFL games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium already this year. And Bayern Munich put up the first touchdown in that damn stadium this year. Seven. Now let's go to their last Premier League game this past Saturday against Britain. Brighton. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't care because they lose 3-0 at home, excuse me, on the road to a team that does not compete for the top of the Premier League. They are Constantly at the bottom of the barrel, a team that is at risk of being relegated every single season. I mean, come on! How do you lose these games? You have Harry Kane, one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Hugo Lloris, not anymore because he got injured, but one of the best keepers in the Premier League. This defense is supposed to be stout. Christian Eriksen, who doesn't even fucking play most of the time because of transfer rumors, is one of the best midfielders in the world. I just don't understand how they can't score. They can't score at home. They can't score on the road. They are not playing clean. And this is a team that is supposed to compete for the top of the Premier League this year, supposed to compete for the top of the Premier League every year, coming off a championship uh, excuse me, uh, a Champions League final match, their first ever in team history, and they are laying an egg to start the year. It's absolutely disgusting, and I can't even watch it anymore. I used to love watching soccer Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings before football. I can't, I can't even do it. I can't watch this team. It's disgusting, and it's a shame because I like their new uniforms. They're gross, this team, the way they are playing right now and they have the talent it's just it's not coming together at all and I, I you know what I just got myself so upset talking about it oh my god Tottenham Hotspur bet against them that's my soccer advice for bets bets this week because we're in the international break right now you know I could take a couple of weeks to just drain myself of Tottenham hopefully forget that they exist so there, there you go. That's talking soccer for you right there. Okay, let's go over my best bets. Now, let's talk about last week first. The first bet I gave was a double dipper for the Tuesday night game. I took Nationals money line and the under at 7.5. I, I need to applaud. I applaud everyone that took that bet. And watch the whole entire game. Because that is the ultimate betters reward. They were down 3-0. Then they put up 3 to take the lead in the 8th inning. Close the door in the ninth. Now they could have taken a bigger lead. But if they did, the under doesn't hit. So they were able to perfectly make it so they win the game cover the money line obviously and 
keep under the total. Unbelievable. It was the most fantastic display of gambling I've ever seen. Now, I was graced with that gift from God early in the week that everything else kind of fell apart. Liverpool had a 3-0 lead, and then they surrendered three to Red Bull Salzburg. It was tied 3-3. Liverpool able to put up one more for them to win, but they don't cover the goal and a half. The Seahawks, who I took at minus two, win by one. Colorado, who was minus three and a half. Khalil Tate does wind up playing in that game. I took it under the assumption he would go into that game either banged up or not play at all. He played, led a scoring drive in the last couple of minutes, gave Arizona the five-point win, and the Bears. Now, I'm a sharp. Let me put that out there. Because I took the Bears at minus four and a half. It went to six. But they didn't beat the Raiders, so it really doesn't matter at all. Okay. Let's transition to this week. First pick, baseball. I am riding the Nationals again. Taking their money line, plus 144 at Los Angeles against the Dodgers in a winner-take-all Game 5 winner to the NLCS, Steven Strasburg. Filthy in nine playoff innings so far, one earned run, 10 strikeouts. I think the Nats are riding high. They're still carrying over that energy from the Brewer series. They won the last game. They won game four of this series to force this game five. I think there's a lot of energy in that clubhouse, and I think they're just going to take it. I think the Dodgers got a little bit too comfortable. Dave Roberts said that they're not really applying pressure on themselves. They're trying to to cancel it all out. I think the Dodgers have nothing to lose, and they're just playing like crazy people. And that Dodgers mentality is not how you battle what is a juiced-up Nationals team right now. I just don't see them losing this game. All right, now I'll give college football. Huge ranked matchup. There's a lot of ranked matchups this weekend. It's a really good slate. But the game I like the most, number 10 Penn State, going to Iowa, playing the Hawkeyes. Penn State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm riding them. This Penn State team, 5-0 and to start the year. They have dominated every single game they've played. I'll give you the numbers. 79-7. 45-13, 17-10 against Pitt. That one makes you scratch your head a little bit. But then 59-0 against Maryland, 35-7 against Purdue. Iowa, a tough place to play, a tough opponent. Iowa lost a tough game against Michigan in Ann Arbor last week. They only put up three points. I think that's a bit demoralizing. And against a Penn State defense that hasn't allowed more than 13 points in a game this year. I, I think Penn State will cover by a little more than a field goal on the road in what is a big Big Ten matchup. And both these team schedules are going to start getting juiced up. I think Penn State needs this game. I don't think they're going to overlook it. I think James Franklin's going to have his guys ready to play hard. And I think they play hard enough, get the win. And now to the NFL. I alluded to this pick before. I am baffled. I said it before, I'll say it again. I think the Saints are the best team in the N- in the NFC. I don't care who their quarterback is. I think they're the best team, and they've played like it 
over the past three weeks with wins over the Seahawks, the Cowboys, and the Bucks. That Bucks game, Bucks were pretty hot. They shut down Mike Evans, win a big division game at home. They're going to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. They are plus one. I'm taking their money line even. I mean, they have to win this game. It will be a four-game winning streak. I don't understand why everyone is suddenly all over the Jaguars. They just lost to the Panthers in Carolina. And I get that the Jaguars are better in Jacksonville. I believe in Minshew Magic. But the Saints at 4-1? and one, at, the top of this, at the top of the NFC right now? Right behind the 49ers in terms of record, but I think above the 49ers and the Packers in terms of talent? Like, why, are the, why do we think that, that they're going to lose this game? And if this comes back to bite me in the butt, this turns into a Vegas knows everything. They were begging you to take the Saints, blah, blah, blah. I'm not overthinking this. The Saints will win this game. It will be four in a row. If Jalen Ramsey doesn't play, I think you could lock this one, bottle it, throw it in the ocean. Guaranteed win. If Jalen Ramsey does play... You're talking about a little bit of a different story. I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I believe he's played his last game as a Jaguar. I think when the Jaguars lose this game, that will pretty much settle it. He will be shipped the next week. But I think the Saints are going to win this game. Take the money line at even. It's just slightly better odds just to win the game. Or you could take them plus one. I don't really care. I just I see this as a win for them. I don't really understand why anybody would think otherwise. And I know I was 2-5. and five. I understand. Don't worry. Excuse me, I was 2-4. and four. But I feel great about all my picks this week. I really believe in Penn State and Saints. The Nationals, as an underdog, I'm taking it. I don't know how much I love it because I think... That the Dodgers are just head and shoulders the best team in the National League. And if they lost, I would be shocked either way. But the Nationals have the momentum. And you got to ride that momentum to the ground. To the ground. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the JP Sports Talk Podcast. I got a lot off my chest. I had a lot of head shaking this weekend. There were so many things that stood out to me, so many things that upset me. Tottenham Hotspur, but you know what? It's a new week. I am juiced up. I cannot wait for the ALCS this weekend. Whoever the Yankees play, take them by a million. Thank you so much and tune in Fit, nah. Man, I pull up niggas hollin'.